Welcome to our February CPI podcast. I'm your host today, Nick Strokia. Joining me today is local photographer and designer, Guillermo Obia, local fashion photographer, Ron Dressel, and the co-director of the CPI, Christian Debon. How are we doing this morning, gentlemen? Doing good. How are you doing? Hey, doing great. Good. Excellent. Everybody got their cup of coffee and they're ready to start their Thursday? Yes, sir. Fantastic. Fantastic. Well, as we start every show off, we, uh, we ask our panel what they've been shooting. So I'll start with you, G. What have you been up to? Well, this is my this is my year of the portfolio, as I'm calling it. So I've been doing a lot of studio shooting lately. I got a good piece of advice a little while ago when someone looked at my work saying that I need to show repeatability and consistency, and that's what agencies and, and a lot of these bigger production companies are looking for. So I'm trying to focus a lot of my work and, and have a simple light setup, but be able to show some creativity within that. So it's really been just a lot of communicating with people, getting people in the studio, and trying to do a lot of studio shoots. Excellent. And where might that studio be? Just curious. <laughs> <laughs> well, that would be at the CPI, which is actually, uh, which has always been a great studio space, and is becoming more and more of a great studio space uh, to shoot in with all the things you guys have been putting in there. Great. And, and you've been with the CPI for about three months now. How how is having that studio space downtown? Has that been an enabler for your business? Have you have you found some challenges? What's your what's your honest opinion on the podcast? Uh, the honest opinion is I love this. I love the space. I wish it was taller so I could do a little bit more lights above and sure. and above people and, and behind people and all that. But I love having a spot where I can put all my gear. I know my wife loves having our guest room back in the house <laughs> where it's not filled with all this stuff. And it's nice to have a place, a consistent place where I can go, and I don't have a lot of other variables because I know I know what the setup is. I know what the plugs are. I know I can go in, set up for a shoot in twenty minutes now. And not have to worry about a lot of the other things I had to worry about before. So, I love it. I think it's great. Great, and we love having you as a tenant. Thanks. You guys can insert a laugh right there. Okay, Chris, <laughs> what have you been up to? Uh, I've had a couple of commercial shoots recently. Uh, one for a beauty salon. Uh, I'm also building out a website for them uh, a couple of weeks ago. So that was kind of a new challenge, which was a mix of ambient light shooting and then some strobus stuff. And really kind of cool because the <clears throat> the woman that owns this business. She does a lot of uh, commercial hair and makeup for like Howie Long and NBC 29 and you know a whole variety of companies here in Virginia and television stations. <clears throat> so it was kind of cool because she had some clients come in and we did some before and after photography, which was kind of like you know the ugly duckling photo followed by like the princess photo. So that was kind of neat. And uh, last week, I actually did another shoot for uh, for an actor. It's a third actor's headshots that I've done, um, and that was kind of fun. Once again, I used the CPI studio for that, which was absolutely fantastic. Great, great space for that. And uh, then we just did some uh, outdoor ambient light shooting, which was pretty nice too. And um, uh, that's cool. Last... It sounds like you've been pretty busy. Yeah, absolutely. Man. I've been actually running around with my hair on fire uh, between that and some web work and graphic design stuff. But uh, I did manage to squeeze in some time last weekend to hang some uh, new backdrops at the CPI. Yes, so, very cool. Tell us more. Yeah, it's um, well something that Nick and I had kind of decided on. And Nick actually found a really great uh, 9x20 vinyl uh, 
white seamless from B&H Photo. And I was kind of like, gosh, how am I going to mount this? Because most of the mounting systems cost a fortune. So we kind of did a DIY on that, and uh, it works pretty good. We've got three other banners up there, or three other backdrops up there that folks can change out at their leisure. And it just kind of cleans up and neatens the space along with uh, some new shelving units we put in. Things are really starting to come together. So, you know, 2012... I'm really hoping it's going to be the year we got like some permanent strobes in there so that uh, folks can just walk in and use this awesome space, rent it out, you know, have some fun with it. Yeah, soon enough. And tell us really quickly about the uh, the white vinyl, the white seamless. How is it different than the seamless paper that we had there before? Oh, this is actually a uh, it's vinyl washable. And I hope to God nobody cuts it. I actually put a sign <laughs> on the corner and says, please don't cut this white vinyl seamless. Yeah, one side's got kind of like a flat matte, almost like a cloth finish to it. And then the other side's a little bit shinier. So I hung it with the with the matte side facing out. But if folks want that sort of shinier background, they just take it off, slip it off, uh, turn it around and hang it back up. So. What, about, uh, what about cleaning care? How does the vinyl work out? Actually, I haven't read the instructions, Nick. Oh. <laughs> I'm sorry. <laughs> I, think it's pretty much, I think it's just pretty much a sponge and, and some soapy water. So Yeah, that sounds about right to me. Oh, cool. That's great. Ron, what have you been up to? Uh, I'll tell you what, man. I've been um, doing a, quite a bit of portrait shooting as well as um, some boudoir photos shoots. Um, Living Social contacted me a month or two ago and um, was looking for somebody locally to do a uh, boudoir special for Valentine's Day, so I agreed to go ahead and do that. And so, um, doing some of those photo shoots and um, gearing up for the upcoming wedding season as well. Yeah, tell us a little bit more. How does that boudoir work through Living Social? Did they say you know you have to do a minimum of a hundred? You have to charge thirty bucks, or did they have you have a little more leeway in the decision? No, you have a lot of leeway in the decision. Um, the only thing is they do take a pretty substantial cut out of the you know total that you, that you sell right um, but there's no minimum there's no maximum per se um, so basically it's the, in their best interest to sell as many as they can sure so how many um, so if you don't mind us asking how many sessions did you sign up for and what was the living social deal the, I ended up selling 15, which is right around where I wanted to sell, just because I'm a one-man operation. Yeah, absolutely. And I didn't want to like overload myself, but I didn't want to like sell two. Um, <laughs> so I, I ended up selling 15 or 16, and which was right about where I wanted to end up because um, the deal was basically a one-hour boudoir session for $99, um, and they also the person will also get $50 to spend on prints or products after the fact too so um, it ends up being a really good deal for them because really when all things are considered it's really only costing them 50 bucks right that's great have you guys ever uh, and I'll pitch this back out to the panel have you guys seen any of those like horrible deals where someone I think like the last one that made national headlines was a photographer in Richmond who signed up for like 300 sessions at like $50 a pop and And there's, I mean, if you like do the math, there's, you know, there's no way you could complete it within a year time. And also too, like breaking down the math, like what her actual take right. home was, it's, you know, she's really right. negative on it. Right. And, yeah. and the key to, the key to making them successful is because basically you end up giving the session away for free, um, after the cut that they take, um, the, the key to making them successful is to sell after the fact and sell mm-hmm. products and prints after Great. Well, maybe we'll talk about that a little bit more in the podcast. I think that's a, that's an interesting discussion right there. 
And then finally myself, I guess I'll ask myself what I've been up to. And um, I've actually been working for SEVA Weekly quite a bit lately. There's a cover story that dropped this week about Ragged Mountain Running, and that was a lot of fun. I got to hang out in the store for a couple hours and get to know the owners who have really big personalities and make for great photojournalism subjects. And in some really good news, I actually got a call from UVA maybe two or three weeks ago, and they produced this magazine called Cornerstone, which goes out to a lot of their really large contributors, and they brought me on as a photographer for their 2012 magazine, which was great. And and going back to what G said, I was uh, I was I was surprised, but I probably shouldn't have been surprised. Um, I hope I'm not humble bragging here, but they uh, they said that my portfolio was very consistent, and they liked how I used. Um, a lot of space within the photos while incorporating the subjects, which is something I always try to strive for whenever I'm doing my editorial and my environmental portraits. So I was pretty pumped about that. That was that was some good news. And yeah, and, congratulations. That actually sounds like a really good gig, man. Yeah, I'm. Uh, we'll see what pans out. It actually the work doesn't start till April, but we we, we worked out the RFP um, a couple weeks ago. So I'm just looking forward to hitting the ground running with them. Awesome. Congrats, man. Yeah. Thanks. It should be great. Okay, so for our CPI content for our February podcast, uh, I just want to reiterate again about programming. We talked about this last time in the show, and I'm actually going to talk about it again during the March podcast. But I want to reinforce again, our programming is open to anyone. So anybody with a a skill um, can bring, or just an interest, can bring that to the CPI, and we're more than happy to enable it. Consider the CPI a blank check, a rubber stamp, whatever you want to call it. We're here to enable whatever you want to do with photography. And that's open to absolutely anyone. I'll keep on saying anyone over and over again. Um, I'll give you a great for instance. Our March supporter workshop is being taught by a gentleman who lives in Roanoke. So through a friend of a friend, he told me about these color management workshops that he does. And he put us in touch and he said, what do I need to do to be part of the CPI? And I said, just come up with a, we have a date, time, uh, workshop attendance, etc., and we'll put it up on the site. And within 12 hours, he had an event signed up. So that, that gentleman who's hosting our March supporter workshop is coming from out of town to do that. So um, that's great. And we also have a, a number of other examples that are coming down the pike that are just people just getting involved with the CPI and they want to contribute to the photographic community in Charlottesville and they want to see it grow and they want to see it better itself. So again, Anyone can contribute. Just contact me or Chris or anybody that's part of the CPI, and we're more than happy to put your event on the calendar or work it out to the point where it could be um, a great fit for the organization. And anybody want to contribute to that? I know, gee, you uh, you contribute heavily to the CPI content. What's uh, what's your experience been? Has it been really difficult? Has it been really easy? You can say it's been really difficult. I won't take offense. <laughs> no, it's been great, and, and and I would I would add a little caveat to that is even if you don't have a skill, you could put together an event where you're simply going for a photo walk. Yes, exactly. You I don't you know you, you don't have to teach something to put together an event. You can just get together and talk. Scott McNabb, I think, does a great job of just getting people together to chat on Wednesday nights, and it, so I think a lot of people are hesitant because they don't feel like they're at a place where they can teach, or they can't teach, or don't know something to teach. So if you just like shooting with other people or getting people together, put 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 something together. You'll have people sign up for it. Yeah, that's perfect. Like for instance, I know we have a, a lot of mothers in the group. If they want to get together and do some kind of uh, mommy photographer group meeting, that's great. I'll uh, I'll literally sign off on anything that brings people together at the CPI. <clears throat> Excuse me, in the name of photography. 
Yeah, and we've, we've got to have a lot of folks in the group, too, that must specialize in certain things that we've never really held workshops about. You know, like I've never really done any macro photography myself, and I'd love it if somebody stepped forward and said, hey, I'm going to do a you know, small workshop on macro photography or night photography or, you know, uh, uh, never done any boudoir photography. So, you know, circling back to what Ron said before, I'd like to learn how do you pose people, how do you like that. That would be really cool. Funny you should ask. Ron actually has a posing workshop coming up, which we'll talk to you later. But also to come back to your point, Chris, you say, I wish I had somebody to teach it. Well, you gotta, I think you got to take the, uh, the bull by the horns. If you're, you're interested in macro photography, go online and read three points about macro photography and then host a organizational meeting and then you might see people come out of the woodwork that have other experience that they can talk to. So coming back to G's point, you don't necessarily have to be skilled at that. You just have to have an interest in it if you want to make something incredibly loose where people just come in and you talk to a couple points. That's fine by us. Yeah, no, that sounds great. And now, the moment everyone's been waiting for, our February shoot-off results. And this month, we actually happen to have our judge, which is Ron Dressel. So, Ron, I'll let you take it away. All right, the uh, February shoot-off results. Um, lots of great photos. There was probably about 50 photos submitted, and the theme of the uh, shoot-off this month was white. Um, there was... So many very nice photos. It was so hard to narrow it down to um, first, second, and third place winner. Um, but let me get down to those winners right now. Uh, first place was Marcia Molner, and it was a photo of a child brushing his teeth. It was a very nice black and white photo. Um, what number photo was that? On the number twenty-two. Number twenty-two. First place. Number twenty-two. Come on down. <laughs> so I, I chose that one as the first place winner. I thought that was just a great photo, uh, very candid, black and white, almost very commercial looking. I feel like I felt like it was something I could open up a magazine and it would be like right there on a magazine. Um, second place was number forty-one, submitted by Deb, and that was teacups with soapy water and water droplets falling on them. Um, I thought that was just a very cool photo. Uh, very well put together. Composition was very nice. Um, and, you know, just it was black and white photo. I believe it was converted to black and white. Um, but because I didn't see any traces of any other colors in there. But it was um, very nice. And third place was photo number 10 by Zach Gildersleeve. And that was, I believe, it was a shot of some dishes, um, maybe a teacup and a saucer and a dish, different various sizes. Um, basically, it just, it was a shot from above looking down and it just made a great composition in the shapes well, with the circular, um, circular shapes of the saucers and dishes. I, I thought it just worked really well. Yeah, that's um, great. Well, thanks, Ron. That was great. What What are um, some of your motivations for selections? What What draws Ron Dressel to a photograph in particular? All right. So, um, so basically, the first thing I'm going to look at is is the um, theme of the photos. Um, the theme for this was white. So basically, when I look at the photos, it, it has to portray that theme. Mm -hmm. um, if it doesn't, if I don't look at it and I don't think white or get something on there that's um, triggers my mind to think of something, you know, white, I'm going, you know, it's on to the next photo. But um, obviously the theme is important. 
Um, also, composition and creativity of the photo I took into consideration. Um, there were a lot of unique photos submitted, um, a lot of them that, I mean, it's great when you have so many different photographers with so many different backgrounds and um, with all these different ideas, and it's so exciting to see what they come up with for yeah. these themes. Um, so basically, I take the theme, the composition, and creativity, um, and I narrowed it down to those three. So, Ron, tell us quickly about what are some honorable mentions that, uh, so that you saw the top three. All right. Um, some, there was so many other great photos. I would say there was some of them that stick out in my mind where there was a great portrait of a cat. Um, I believe it was by Scott McNabb. Um, there was also another very interesting photo by um, Lindsay Henry, I believe. Um, child walking looked like in, in a blizzard, but um, when I was looking at the photo and the description, it looked like she, she overexposed it and just blew out the whites. Um, but it was a very interesting um, photo and how she processed it. It was very nice. Yeah. Um, and there were also lots of very beautiful landscape photos too. Great. Gee, did you participate in this particular shoot-off? I didn't in January, but I looked at some of the entries and they all looked great. Yeah. Well, I just wanted to, to get someone's read on it. I know white was a really difficult subject, and I just want to pat everybody in the CPI that participated once again on the back. That was a, a huge curveball because, of course, with the theme white, I was anticipating in January that we might have some snow on the ground <laughs> when we drew this up in the fall. But otherwise, everybody did a really good job of interpreting a very abstract sub subject. And, and thanks to Ron for judging. We really appreciate it. Yeah. No problem. My pleasure. Great. And moving along, our past month, we actually were, were quite busy in, in January. I was hoping to maybe slow things down after December with Hell Portrait and all the other stuff we had going on. But much like the CPI's theme, we're just full steam ahead all the time. In our past month, we did our DSLR sensor care and cleaning workshop, which was taught by myself. And actually, we had Chris attend. So I'm going to let Chris talk about some of the overview and the highlights and what he walked away with. Yeah, that was a really actually awesome workshop. <clears throat> we had 12 people, which was, I think, just the right amount of folks for that. If we'd had 15, we probably would have run out of some table space. But um, that's one of those things where people are, there's a real fear of going in and twinking around with your uh, with the body of your camera. And as everybody knows, bodies are pretty cheap and lenses are always expensive. But, you know, when you get in there to actually clean your sensor, it's essentially the eye of the camera and I I have to admit I had a, a lot of like uh, fear about going in there but uh, Nick led the workshop which was really uh, which was really terrific and he had everybody go out and buy I've got the link right here on my page it's basically the digikit 40f which is a really great cleaning kit it comes with a rocket blower for dry cleaning including a, a brush for dry cleaning and then there's some peck pads and some cleaning solution in there and uh, Nick kind of took us through the whole process of, you know, how do you change your lens, um, what kind of environment should you be in when you change your lens, how should your camera body be aimed, which is always going to be down, and then changing the lenses as quickly as possible, you know, get everything sort of prepped in your hands so that when you do that change, as little dust as possible enters the camera. And then we actually got right inside the guts of the camera. I kind of felt like a surgeon for a while because <laughs> everybody had like, you know, uh, LED headlamps on and... Uh, you know, uh, you'd be surprised at actually how much stuff gets inside your camera. Uh, for those of you that are out there that have had a camera like a brand new DSL for DSLR for just a year, you know, all you got to do is uh, rack it up to f22, go out and shoot something like the sky or a white piece of paper, um, and then 
take a look at see how many little specks you've got on your sensor and you might be surprised at how many are in there yeah. and if you're a landscape photographer you're going to be shooting at f16 or above in most cases and that stuff's going to show up when you when you hit post processing you're going to be in there with your blend tool or your patch tool trying to get rid of all those little flakes and stuff and it's not going to look very good so anyways um just to wrap up nick took us through the dry cleaning process getting all the little metal shavings and pieces of gunk out of the camera and then we went through a wet cleaning which is actually the part where you're you're actually putting hands on the sensor at that point you're putting, putting hands on it you're putting your peck pad on the on the <laughs> sensor yeah the sensor wand on it and then uh, going back through there and kind of looking with a magnifying glass and then looking through your lens again after reattaching to see if you've gotten all those little spots. And uh, my camera had quite a few, actually. I had three or four big ones and then maybe about a dozen little ones. And uh, after my cleaning, my camera was like, great. You know, and if I'd taken my, taken my camera and sent it back to Canon, because I'm a Canon shooter, I don't even know what they charge. I'm sure it's north of a hundred bucks for something like that, plus the shipping and handling and the insurance. So, uh, you know, for just getting this basic cleaning kit, which is seventy bucks, and going through the process, I thought it was a great value for my money and an awesome course. Great. And actually, the rest of our panel was there. So, quickly, G, what uh, what were some of your takeaways from the workshop? It, I, I'm, I was and probably still am one of those people that's scared to breathe when I, you know, change lenses and, and would never touch the sensor before this. And it was nice to have you there sort of looking over our shoulder to make sure we were doing things the right way, not the right way, better than I wouldn't have trusted myself to read this online and do it. I would I would want somebody there with me. And just like just like Chris said, this is one of those things that kind of paid for itself over and over again. Because I've got two bodies I shoot with and they're both out for cleaning, you know, at least once, twice a year. So this was a this was a no brainer for me. Great. And finally, Ron, what was some of your takeaways? Um, I thought it was a great great workshop. Um, I was I was one of those guys who never cleaned their sensor before, and I thought just taking a blower into your camera and just blowing the dust out of there would work, but obviously not. There's a lot more to it than that. Um, and Nick, I have since gotten with that um, cleaning kit, so I do okay. have all the necessary tools now because I remember. The Workshop, I showed up kind of empty-handed, not empty-handed, but shy on a lot of the uh, equipment required. Yeah. Don't feel bad, Ron. I kind of showed up shorthanded too, but uh, other folks were generous, so that was great. Yes. Yes. Yeah, it's funny how, you know, if you read the instructions, it lists what you're supposed to buy, you know. I, I don't know how to make it any more obvious. <laughs> Ron, you do a lot of studio work. Have you noticed a pretty discernible before and after? What's that? You do a lot of studio work, so you're probably shooting an F11, F16. Have you noticed a discernible before and after in the amount of sensor dust that you have? Um, I have noticed a, a, a pretty substantial difference. Um, but um, honestly, even when I do shoot in studio, I'm not shooting up that high. Okay. Um, usually um, five, six, maybe seven around that area is as high as I'll go. Um, I, I still like, even working in studio, I still like to maintain a, a relatively shallow depth of field. Great. Cool. And we had another workshop, which was uh, our supporter workshop, which was taught by another one of our panel members. It was G, who did Photoshop and beauty retouching. And, and I didn't attend this. Chris, you didn't attend this, right? No, I wasn't there. Sorry, okay. I missed it. So we're going to have the instructor talk about it. So G, if you want to give us the overview and the highlights. Sure. From the instructor's point of view, it went great, right? Um, so I, I, Always. You know, <laughs> in all honesty, I think it went really well. I got some good feedback from them, from everyone. I did a little thing where I made people raise their hand when they when they learned something they didn't know before, and everyone's hand went up at least one time during the workshop. So yeah, that's a great teaching tool. Yeah, it was a good little test for me. I've never taught a Photoshop class to, to more than one or two people before. 
So it was sort of a, will this actually work? Could I actually do it? I had a great time with it. I think people learned something from it. And I'm putting together, I'm trying to put together a sort of a Photoshop basics for photographers based on some of the feedback I got from this workshop. Great. What were, um, so what did you go over during the workshop? Just really quickly, like what are some of the points that you hit on that you taught? Sure. What I was trying to do is just basically show people my Photoshop workflow. And Photoshop is sort of one part of my workflow from, of my editing workflow. And I just wanted people to see what I did to a photo uh, when I put it into Photoshop. So sort of how I retouched some skin, how I retouched some stuff under the eyes, the different tools I used, you know, the clone stamp, patch tool, all that sort of fun stuff. And, and I tried to explain the why, not just this is what I do, but right. this is why I do it and how you can incorporate some of this into your workflow. Well, that's great. Are you gonna be teaching any more supporter workshops in the future? Yeah, I, Spotlight. I, 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 have, I, have, I have fun with it. I have a good time with it. So, yeah, I'm, I'm sure I will. Cool. And how did the CPI facilities work out for you? For Oh, something else, too. We actually got a projector maybe about a month, two months ago, Chris. Is that right? Yeah, we actually have a new Epson. Gosh, I can't remember the model number on it, but it's a lovely, beautiful projector that uh, we got a, a gracious sponsors, sponsorship from the, from the fine folks at Crutchfield with that uh, at a really steep discount so it's uh it's an awesome projector yeah and that's now installed permanently at our space again and it should be there forever hopefully did you take advantage of the projector and how did it work out for you i did i was able to plug my laptop straight into it and it, it worked out uh fantastic that's the, the projector is why i taught the workshop i've been waiting for the projector to do something like this so yeah it was great cool it was all plug and play real simple to use yeah plug and play i plugged it in changed a couple of settings in terms of brightness and contrast but um otherwise i was good to go great excellent and something else we had going on, we did the Southwood El Rio book release party, which was last week at City Space. And I don't think anybody else in the panel was there. Chris, I saw you in the background, but you were talking to Look3 staff, so I'll go ahead and talk to that. And for anybody who doesn't know, the uh, Southwood project is something that we get together and we link up with the Bridge PAI every year. And we work with kids from Southwood and we work with kids from West Haven for a four-day photography program where we teach them about photography and we also incorporate writing into it. And the culmination of the project is that they produce a book and they have a gallery showing. So this year, the gallery showing was at City Space, and I thought it was really great. It was um, it was awesome to see all of uh, the student prints. Also, let me take a step back. I was the lead instructor this year, so not only did I have a piece in it with the CPI and the number of volunteers we contributed, but I was also teaching um, the Southwood and West Haven kids over the course of the four days. So it was a very rewarding program. I believe we talked about it in earlier podcasts. But this was the release and um, how everything came together at the end. And it was great. So one of our uh, students, his, they brought in these homemade tamales. Um, the bridge had red wine on hand. So those two combinations right there are always a win-win. And the book was great to see in, in person. And actually, if you want to purchase a copy of the book or if you're curious about just flipping through it, you can go either to the bridge. And they also sell it in the stores of Pro Camera. I was actually in there the other day to have a, a little point-and-shoot camera that I've, I shoot with that when I go out, looked at, and I saw it there. And that was really great to see. So we're also, um, coincidentally enough, I spoke with John Castine, who works with Greg Kelly, who's the director at the bridge. Um, John is a, a teacher at Sweetbriar College and teaches creative writing, but he kind of oversees the Southwood project and helps Greg shape it. We talked about the 2012 plans, and uh, John's actually looking to make this 
um, not necessarily bigger, but he's trying to codify it and make it a really repeatable process because I think John's grand dream is that he sees this program continue at other places throughout the nation. So this year, again, the CPI is going to be uh, participating. We're going to probably be providing a, a large set of the volunteer base. Um, I don't want to talk to it too much, but uh, it's going to be a little bit different. The, the one detail that I will release, and I think John's okay with this, is that instead of doing it over the course of two weeks, which I believe last year was on a Tuesday and Thursday, the 2012 session is going to actually just run the course of one week, which is going to be kind of interesting to see what kind of volunteer support we can get because it's going to require somebody to be um, consistent on scene. But we talked about some other options, and I want to table that for another time. But overall, Southwood El Rio book release party was great. We always love to get together with the bridge. And anybody who's listening to this podcast, I encourage you, if you don't know already, to look into the bridge and look at some stuff that they're doing. They're another great art-centric organization in town that does a lot of great things. Also in this past month, we had a photo walk with Roanoke, and specifically which Exposure Roanoke, which could be considered kind of the um, meetup of Roanoke, maybe our sister city. Yeah, absolutely. Yes. We love to have a sister city. Yeah. Okay, cool. I'll consider that them from now on. So the genesis of that was John Beard, who runs that organization, contacted me, and he's always wanted to link our organization up, and I've always wanted to link our organization up, so we just did it, and it was good. They rolled out the red carpet for us. Um, we met them in a parking lot at about 2 o'clock at, uh, in Roanoke, and they walked us along this really neat trail. I've been to Roanoke a couple times, but they have this trail that runs on the east side of the city, I believe, that um, is like kind of a walking history tour of all of the, the railroad. And it was pretty cool because a lot of people that were part of that organization were like, I never knew this was back here. And they walked us back to some like really old steam locomotives that were in a restoration process or they were all rusted out and eventually going to be restored. And then we continued on and we went through the O. Winston Lake Museum, which is absolutely phenomenal. And if any, anybody listening to this podcast has never heard of O. Winston Lake, um, I encourage you to to press pause right now and start looking him up. He's a phenomenal photographer. Probably you can consider him the Joe McNally of the 1930s, 40s, and 50s. And we uh, we finished off the day with a, a sunset shoot at the top of this parking garage, which offered a really unique vantage point into the, uh, the Blue Ridge Mountains. And then we all got together at a pretty famous local hotspot called the Texas Tavern, which does hot dogs and hamburgers. And it was great. They were an awesome group. They were really welcoming. Um, I, I really appreciated their hospitality. And we're actually looking forward to hosting them. I believe it's later in March. So um, if you want to pay the uh, their due diligence and their hospitality forward, I encourage you to come out to our event, which I think is March, and we'll talk to you certainly in the March podcast. Yeah, and I'd encourage folks, even though I didn't make it to that shoot, I'm uh, actually looking through the Photo Walk Roanoke uh, photo album on the CPI right now. You guys got some really good shots down there. It looks like you guys had an awesome day. Yeah, it was great. Um, there was Maggie and Kevin Blackburn and Scott McNabb came out and, um, and, and a couple others, I believe. Actually, Doc, who does all of our Smug Mug, uh, he's our Smug Mug rep locally, and he also comes out and teaches Smug Mug workshops every once in a while. He lives in Roanoke, and um, he, he came out as well along with his wife. So it was great, and everybody submitted some awesome imagery to our site. So, again, thanks for everybody who came out and, and showed uh, and had a good time with Roanoke. And in the near future, we have another a number of great events coming down. We have our community outreach partnership with Charlottesville High School, and actually G is spearheaded that, so I'll let him talk to it. Yeah, we did this last year, and it was a lot of fun. And I think Ron and Chris were there last year. Basically, CHS brings 100 students to the downtown mall, and they have an assignment, a portrait assignment. This is just about the time where they're working on their digital photography and, and portrait skills. 
And one of us, one of our the, the mentors, volunteer chaperones, get paired up with about three to four students. And we accompany them as they complete their assignment. And it's kind of nice. You don't have to be a photography expert to be able to help out with this. Because it's really just more giving, giving the students a different perspective. Take a look at this. Think about that. And just giving them some confidence. I felt that a lot of the students, this is one of their first times outside of the classroom with a camera. And, and just being there to say, go ahead and take that shot. Go ahead and try it. Go ahead and, and see how, what it looks like was was really what they needed. So it, it's a lot of fun. I'm looking forward to it. And hopefully this is something we can do year after year. Yeah, absolutely. Give us the details. Sure. We've got uh, Monday, February 27th at 9 a.m. Uh, 100 students descend on the pavilion at the, um, at the, on, at the, the downtown mall. Uh, the teacher, Rachel, uh, who's one of our members who we work with closely, splits us up into groups. We're given a sheet with the assignment, and then we go off, and we're, we're sort of on our own with our group until about 2 o'clock, 3 o'clock. Excellent. What do volunteers need to bring, or what do CPI supporters need to bring to this event? Really nothing. They just need to bring themselves. The students all have cameras with them. Um, some of them have their own. If not, the school provides cameras with them. So really all they need to do is bring themselves and, and a few bucks for their lunch, and that's it. Excellent. And we have a, a party that's going to follow that shortly, right? Yeah, we're, we're, trying to, we're trying to put this together basically to do a follow-up where we can see the work the students did that day. That was sort of the one feedback that we had with Rachel last year. It was fun to, to follow them, to see what they were doing, but we never got to see any of the photos. So we're going to try to do, I don't want to say an open house, but sort of a, a pizza, food, photo review party where the students are going to come by in a couple weeks. We'll put their photos on the slide projector and we might have a couple other fun things going on at that time. Still working out the details for that. Excellent. Thanks for organizing. Sure thing. And the next thing coming down the pike, we have a community outreach exhibit, and that's going to be hosted by Chris. Why don't you tell us a little bit about that? Yeah, um, that's uh, something that the Piedmont Council of the Arts does every month. Uh, they have a local artist or art group put up an exhibition of whatever they've been working on. And uh, <clears throat> Sarah Lawson, who's now the director at the Piedmont Council of the Arts, they kind of did a little movement there with the, some of their management. Uh, she reached out to me and said, hey, would you guys like to put up a photo exhibition sometime this spring? And I said, absolutely, we would love to. So we're going to showcase some of our uh, outreach photography that we've done for the last couple of years, the uh, Ragged Mountain Running and Splash for a Cure and some uh, photos from the ASPCA and a bunch of other stuff that we've done um, to kind of get our message out there. Let folks enjoy some of the work that we've done that you know always appears on our website um, including some of the stuff we've done from Help Portrait this past year which uh, should be great. So we're going to have 50 photographs up and we're also uh, mentoring another group of kids this weekend from the uh, Charlottesville Abundant Life Ministries. It's a small group of kids, um, about 12 and uh, we'll be taking them out for some photography and they're also going to have some of their photos hanging up at our exhibition at the same time too. So that's Friday, March 2nd. That's uh, next week from 5 to 7 o'clock at City Space. And City Space is right on the downtown mall, right next to the Look 3 headquarters for folks that might not be familiar where that is. And it's uh, actually sort of connected to the East Market Street parking garage. So come on down. We're going to have some, some nice drinks and a few little finger snacks, and it'll be a awesome opportunity for people to uh, to uh, look at our photography. And if you're a, a CPI member, you can RSVP for that event right on our meetup page, or if uh, you're not a uh, not a member and you're still listening to this podcast, you can find our event on Facebook, and you can just RSVP there. So it's just CPI uh, Community Outreach Exhibition is what you would search for on Facebook. Fantastic. 
And another really exciting thing coming down the pike that we'll probably dedicate a little more time into our podcast next month is um, our Bill Allard in partnership with the land. And uh, Chris and I are especially ecstatic about this. Um, I don't want to go too much into the details about it, but uh, one of our um, members of our executive committee, Ed Monaclavo, is actually personal friends with Bill Allard, and he was able to link us up about a couple weeks ago. And we sat down for a luncheon, and Bill was almost immediately on board with teaching a workshop with the CPI. And for anybody who doesn't know about Bill Allard, again, this is probably the third point I'll say, pause the podcast right now and look up some of his work. It's absolutely phenomenal. He spent over 40 years working with National Geographic, so he's been to every corner of the earth, photographing every bit of the earth, and uh, brings them a huge wealth of knowledge and talent to the CPI. And uh, I highly encourage you also at the same time to take a look at the event if you haven't seen it yet on the CPI. Bill teaches about three workshops a year, and I know for 2012, he's teaching a workshop in Los Angeles. and he's teaching a workshop in India. So the fact that he's teaching a workshop in Charlottesville is a pretty big deal. And not to mention too, our workshop, I say only 495, but when you look at comparatively, it's it's an extremely reasonable price to have a National Geographic photographer teach and work with you hands-on for uh, a three-day period. And that's actually gonna be occurring over the course of the weekend, which is Friday, May 18th, 19th and the 20th and we're going to wrap things up on Sunday the 20th and if you're the slightest bit interested I encourage you to go take a look at what we have listed on our website it lists out the entire schedule of the program what you need what you can expect and what you're going to get out of the workshop and we're really excited about it Chris do you have anything else you want to add to the Bill Allard workshop no it's just it's going to be tremendous and for those of you that, that might not be familiar with this work you can go to William Albert Allard that's Allard with two L's dot com to check out some of his stuff and uh We've only got 15 slots for this, and nine of them have already been snapped up. So if you're sort of sitting on the fence right now, I would definitely come on board for this. It's going to be probably one of the most prestigious workshops we've ever held at the CPI. So. Yeah, and Chris, I think we have like four slots left or three slots. I don't think we have six. I think we, we're, we're a little more than that. And then also, to just a quick segue, I hope that Bill Allard, um, this workshop, everything, of course, is going to go swimmingly, um, but we're going to use this as a launching point to keep on bringing more talent to the CPI and bring more education to our supporters. Yeah, you're absolutely right. I just looked at this. Uh, we went from nine people yesterday to 12 today. So <laughs> there's three slots left if you're out there thinking about it. Today would be a good day to RSVPS for this event. So Yeah, absolutely. And last but not least, we have a great workshop next week, which is Intro to Posing, and that's going to be taught by one of our panel members, which is Ron. So, Ron, why don't you tell us a little about this workshop? Give us an overview as uh, what students can expect. All right. Um, I don't know how I am to follow up Bill Allard, but uh, <laughs> I'll try. You're going to be the next Bill Allard. That's why I saved you for last. <laughs> well, um, yeah, it's um, I'm putting on a Intro to Posing workshop, which I'm really excited about. And um, this has been in the works for a while because you had approached me several months ago about you know the possibility of putting on some sort of workshop like this. Um, yeah, so posing finally is, got around is really to it. highly requested. People always talk about that, and I think people have this like really you know like kind of clouded notion about how posing works. Right, right. So basically, um, this is going to be an introduction um, to posing. Uh, it's not only just going to cover posing. Sorry, my dog's in the background making all kinds of noise. Um, it's not going to be just an intro to posing. It's also going to um, give some tips on working with your subject or model, and um, you know, tips on building up that relationship with your client. Um, because 
because it's not just the posing, it's, it's having that relationship to get you through that posing and just make everything a lot easier. So um, it's going to be myself and I'm going to have a model, Luisa Gonzalez, who I've worked with before, assist just for some demonstration. Um, it's, this is going to be a really brief workshop, um, probably one hour, hour and a half. Um, and it's going to be more informative than anything else. And there's no need to know anything about lighting. I'm not going to touch a light, probably won't even talk about lights. Um, it's just going to be strictly um, focused on working with the model. That's great. And who do you think would be a good fit to attend this workshop? Anybody that does portraiture work would be, I think, would benefit from this. Anybody and find portraiture? Could that be, you know, kids? Could that be doing weddings? It could be kids. It could um, you could integrate what you're gonna, a lot of the things you're gonna learn into uh, family type portraits, um, children portraits, into wedding work. Um, it's not just fashion, but um, you know, a lot of it will pertain to fashion type posing, but it can obviously relate to other types of portraiture as well. And also um, to male and female models or subjects. Fantastic. Is G going to be your male model while you're there? Yeah. <laughs> so only, actually, actually only I'd like to show up for, that. Up for this. <laughs> <laughs> actually, I'd like to show up for this workshop, Ron. So if you want to use me as like the second person, because that's one of the hardest things I have is when I've doing like an engagement shoot, right. you, know, you run through a lot of the standard poses and then you're kind of scratching your head like, oh, what do I do next? So if, if you need me, I'd be happy to, to stand in for that. So All right. Excellent. But yeah, it's going to be uh, March 7th at 7 p.m. at the CPI studio. Uh, the cost is $25 and you can, you can sign up for it through the CPI website. Um, there's um, just a go in, log in and sign up. And I believe I'm keeping it. I'm keeping the uh, attendance relatively low for this, just so we get more one-on-one -on -one interaction. Um, I know if you attend workshops with lots of people in attendance, it kind of gets overwhelming, and people sure. might be more hesitant to ask questions when there's a lot of people around. So I want to keep the class size a little smaller. So it's um, for 15 people, and there's still some room. So if you're interested, I encourage you to go ahead and sign up for it. Um, so and. You need no no knowledge on lighting. Basically, it's just going to be tips on how to in instruct and work with your models. Great. And what if uh, students take some great photos? Um, can they can they put them in their portfolio? Can do you encourage them to use it for their work? Sure. I mean, I, um, this really isn't going to be set up as a um, workshop where. You're going to come away with portfolio work. Right. It's going to be more of a demonstration type where you can apply it to future work. Um, so I will the students have, aren't going to be working too much hands-on with the models. Right. I okay. will have a model there for demonstration. So after you know after the discussion, uh, the class, if if we have some time, people are more than welcome to break off and work one-on-one -on -one briefly with the model, and um, you know apply some of what they learned. Um, Fantastic. What do, what do students need to bring to this workshop? Um, what I would bring is bring a notebook, bring a pencil or a pen, and if you would like to, bring a camera. Good. Do they need a, a radio trigger? Or are you going to have a set of pocket wizards on hand if they end up do shooting? Or um, Like I said, I'm not even planning on using studio lights for this. So okay, I mean, cool. If we do any shooting, it'll probably just be ambient light. 
Fantastic. There's some awesome ambient light in the CPI, let me tell you. <laughs> well, <laughs> nice great. Voice. Once again, this is the Intro to Posing Workshop. It's being hosted by Ron Dressel. It's on Wednesday, March 7th at 7 p.m. at the CPI. And for a whopping $25, you get some great hands-on experience with a true pro. So, right. Can I jump in real quick? Absolutely. I will say that I'm really excited about this workshop. The more I do this kind of work and try to do this kind of work, the technical side, the lighting, the camera settings, that's the easy part. I think the difference between someone who's good and someone who's really good at this is how they interact with the model. And looking at Ron's work, you can see that he knows he knows that difference. So anyone who's serious about doing this type of work or wants to know more about it, this is the stuff you need to learn and learn early on. So I'm, I'm really excited about it. I think I'm going to get a lot from this. Yeah, absolutely. Right. And like Ron said, it's transfer transferable across a number of mediums of photography. So if you're interested in weddings, shooting kids, shooting family, all this stuff is applicable. Right. And I'd like to go back and just briefly touch as well. Um, G kind of touched on this. You know, a lot of people get caught up on the technical aspects, on their camera settings, on lighting, but they kind of leave behind the whole, the, the model or their subject. And it, it, it kind of gets to be an afterthought. And a lot of times you can tell that in photos and where you look at a photo and it's like, okay, they had their camera settings right, the lighting is good, but you, you look at their subject and it looks like they're just standing there waiting for a test shot to be done. Yeah. You know, the photographer was taking a test shot and they have no expression. Their pose really isn't that good. Um, so what I believe, I believe your subject is the most important part and your settings and lighting come second. Great. That's awesome. And we're looking forward to hosting you. And once again, Wednesday, March 7th, CPI, $25. And you can find more information on our website. And we're going to wrap things up today with our panel discussion. Our panel discussion today is the tripod. So some questions for our panel. When do you use it? Is it a necessary tool today? And some creative uses. And I'll pitch the first question to Ron. Yeah, um, I, I have a tripod and I do use it occasionally. Um, a lot of my work is portraiture work, but I do use them quite often for, you know, when it comes to shooting weddings. Um, I like to do overall evening um, atmospheric shots, um, like long exposure as the sun is going down. Mm -hmm. um, so tripods definitely come in handy there. When, so you said weddings. When, when are some other specific times that you use a tripod? Um, anytime you're working with a long exposure. Just um, long exposure. So a lot of your studio work is handheld then? Uh, probably about 98% of it is. Oh, no kidding. Interesting. Yeah. What about you, G? When do you use a tripod? Well, I use it for, like Ron was saying, the long exposure nighttime. I like playing around with, with light painting, things like that. So that's the obvious times to use the tripod. I've, sure. I, I found I, I never used it for studio work before until I recently purchased a little dolly for my tripod because I'm trying to do some video work. And I thought I'd use it primarily for video slow pan shots. But I ended up using it for a couple of studio shoots, and I, I love it. I love being able to roll the tripod around and be able, it, it makes everything just so much easier and quicker and faster. So now I'm probably 50-50 in terms of for studio portraiture work uh, using tripod versus handheld. And, I, and the dolly has made all the difference for me. I really like it. Yeah, I really like it too. Admittedly, I've been using it a couple times. <laughs> <laughs> and I'm kind of on the opposite end of the fold. So unlike Ron, I think I work, I would say I work about 90% of the time when I'm doing studio work on a tripod. I like to um, I like the deliberateness of it. It makes me, it's a reminder that I need to go from uh, wide, medium to short. 
Um, and then not to mention too, I can work with these long lenses and I can shoot. I'm not necessarily worried about sharpness too, too much, but it is a consideration in the back of my mind. But uh, the larger consideration for me is depth of field. So if a model or whomever I'm working with starts to wander outside of that zone, um, I want to be able to catch it quickly uh, within the tripod. And, and I think also working with the tripod for me, it eliminates kind of that variable of composition. So I always say when, I'm, when I'm, you're shooting, you have three things to worry about. You have exposure, focus, and composition. And if I can kill um, you know, all three of them in one swipe with a, with a tripod and then just my knowledge of exposure, I think I'm in a better seat. So if, uh, for anybody who knows some of my work, if you look at anything I do in like the SIBO Weekly or most of the stuff that's actually on my website, I would say probably 80% of those environmental portraits are done on a tripod. Nice. And what about you, Chris? And almost never. I almost never use a tripod except when I travel. And typically, it's if I'm going to do some urban travel, um, then I'm going to try some night photography, some time lapse photography. And, uh, you know, it's always a trade off because when you're traveling someplace, you can't take a big tripod. So I've been looking at the, the Benro Travel Angel. Uh, which is an expensive tripod, <laughs> but uh, I've been thinking about that for a little bit, but I hardly ever shoot uh, with a tripod. It's funny, I did some fire dancers. There's a local Charlottesville group called Scintillation, and I did some stuff, gosh, must have been like almost two years ago with them, uh, which was all tripod-based, and I'm, I'm actually really stoked about uh, a workshop we've got coming up on a uh, April 6th, the Tacky Shack light painting workshop, because I think it's the first CPI workshop we're, we're going to have where... Uh, it's required that you bring a tripod. So um, I'm kind of looking forward to that. Yeah, that's another interesting discussion. So the second point I wanted to bring up, is it necessary today? So it seems like across the board, everybody uses tripods for long exposures. But what do you guys think, you know, with uh, the number of high ISOs that we can achieve with these cameras and the number of fast lenses, like is a tripod a necessity? Is it kind of a, um, a hindrance? What do you guys think? I think it depends on the style of your shooting and what you shoot. Sure. Keep going with that thought. Um, obviously, I mean, if you do more landscape work, you're gonna you're gonna need a tripod, even with these faster lenses and um, higher ISOs. Um, because obviously, if you're shooting landscapes, you want to shoot at a higher f-stop, and um, you know, with the faster lenses, that only they only re apply really if you're shooting at uh, really wide open apertures. And obviously, if you're shooting landscapes, you want to shoot. You don't want to shoot at those high or wide open apertures. What do you think in the future, too? Let's say you know uh, three or four years down the line, which is really real realistic to think. Um, you know, uh, at ISO like 128,000 is probably going to look like ISO 100. Do you think uh, <laughs> landscape photographers in, in that instance are going to use tripods anymore? Um, I, I'm, I'm gonna I'm gonna say yes. I mean, it's it's kind of like the way it's been done. So I think you know it's it's gonna stick. Just the old guard, huh? Yeah. What about you, yeah. T? What do you think? Well, and, and I'll touch on some of the creative uses side of things. You, you, some things you can only get when your shutter's open for a few seconds. And and it's you can do a lot of creative things in that time with portraiture, with landscapes. And I think you need to have a tripod in those cases. And, and it's also interesting. Sometimes it's nice to get behind, out from behind the camera. Sure. Have the camera set up and then interact with the environment yourself and use either a remote or a trigger. And in those cases, you have to have a tripod. So I can certainly see some people using it more than other people and still using less than other people. But if, if anyone who wants to be sort of a versatile shooter, I think needs to have a good tripod and be comfortable using it. 
Yeah, absolutely. And I live and die by mine in the studio. And that's another great point that you brought up, G, about getting away from behind it. Like, I, I love to set up my camera at about chest level and then be able to look up or look to the left of that and then give the model direction face to face. So I'm not just this person talking behind a viewfinder the entire time. Yep. Great. Well, does anybody else have anything to interject about tripods? No, I would just say once again, um, you know, for landscape photographers, if you're looking to get that creamy water effect with streams or waterfalls or even the ocean, you know, a tripod is a must. And just also to throw in too, if you're a sports shooter and you're shooting with 400, 500, 600 millimeter lenses, then you got to have a monopod because unless you've got a, a lot of upper body strength, you're going to be holding a big piece of equipment for hours and hours. So you really need to have that for that. Um, and I was also say for studio photography, if you're, you're doing uh, product photography, uh, like wine or perfume or stuff for eBay, that kind of thing, you definitely need to have a tripod for that. So. Yeah, absolutely. With macro photography, that depth of focus or depth of field is critical, especially the closer you move a product to your lens. Unfortunately, all I have is a 50 millimeter macro lens, so I have to get my camera right up on top of products when I do macro photography. And ironically enough, I'm doing some this afternoon for SIBO Weekly, shooting some food. And uh, yeah, I'm always working on a tripod there because there's been some times where I've been a little frustrated trying to get close to um, an object and I'll shoot in a succession. So I'll set it on uh, continuous advance thinking that I'll get the, that sharpness out of the photo. And then I go to look at everything in post and then it's, it's there, but it's not as sharp as it could be. So I'm, uh, I'm more apt to bring that tripod along so I can get that deliberate exposure and that, I'm sorry, that deliberate focus that I want. And tripods is one of those things where you really you get what you pay for, and sure. once you buy a good tripod, you, you're going to have it for the rest of your your life, your career. I've I, as someone who has bought many poor, cheap tripods, I finally broke down and, and bought a semi nice, serious one, and I absolutely love it. It's totally made the difference. I think if you don't like your tripod, you need a better one. What and I hate this, saying that. But I what think is this true. tripod you speak of? I, it, it's nothing fancy. It's it's a Manfrotto with a Manfrotto head, but it was it's night and day better than the Best Buy stuff I was using. You know when I first got started. Yeah, absolutely. I've got. I was going to ask you. All three of you guys have ball head tripods because I'm still using like an, an XY axis tripod, and I am thinking about getting a ball head tripod. Yeah, I actually I'd like to get a uh, G has that the ball head tripod, the one with the the quick quick grip release and uh, at the CPI, and that's phenomenal. I'd love to have one of those for my studio work. Um, I, I think for maybe like macro photography, I don't know how good it would be there because I, I think it's a little more difficult to make the fine movements and gee, feel free to jump in and say, oh, I, I found it to be no problem. I, I love the one I have. I've got both the vertical and the horizontal. Try uh, the ball head and with the quick release. And, and Chris, you were talking about the monopod. I love putting the vertical quick release on my monopod and taking that out to, to do some when I'm using longer lenses. And I, I think it's great. I haven't really used any others. So I don't know that I've got a ton to compare it to except for the older, cheaper ones. And, and again, I think it makes night and day difference. I think you can do, if you're patient with it, you can do whatever you want to with that kind of, with that kind of head on there. Mm -hmm. And I have a, I have a ball head as well as a, uh, the uh, joystick type of uh, a head, which is really nice. Um, is that what you have, G? Yes, yeah, the vertical is, is the joystick with the, okay, with yeah. the sort of trigger release on it. Right, right. And those are really nice because it makes adjustments really easy and quick where you don't have to loosen and tighten several different um, bolts. But, yeah. That's great. Cool. I hope to get one of those too someday and maybe stop borrowing yours someday, Jay. 
anytime. It's yours anytime. Okay. Well, thanks, guys. And uh, to wrap things up today, where can we find you guys, G? Uh, GXUimages.com is sort of the one-stop shop. Go there, and, and I try to put a lot of my stuff on there. Excellent. And Chris? Uh, just ChristianDeBond.com. So, and, of course, CPhotoI.org, our yes. mothership. <laughs> well, we'll plug that, of course, at the end of the show. Ron, where can we find you? You can find me at rondresselphoto.com, and from there, there's links to my blog, my Facebook, and all the other fun stuff. Fantastic, and you can find me at nickstrokia.com. Well, I want to thank you guys again for participating. Um, I also want to plug Ron's workshop once again, and uh, I want to thank everybody for their time this morning and contributing to a great discussion. And most of all, I want to thank you for joining us today. If you have any questions you would like to hear answered on the podcast, please send them to info at cphotoi.org. You can learn more about the Charlottesville Photography Initiative by visiting us online at cphotoi.org. You can also find us on Facebook and Twitter. Membership is $40 a year, qualifying you for our contest, events, education, networking, and community outreach opportunities. We look forward to seeing you again in March. Also, don't forget to rate us on iTunes. We'd love to hear your thoughts on the cast. In the meantime... Keep shooting.